This is the MDRT Podcast. With so many advisors in the industry, it's important to find a way to stand out. As part of a recent conversation in Newport Beach, California, Joy Avedisian, Elizabeth Gregorian, and Dakshish Maniar discuss the process of setting themselves apart and what is and isn't important in the advisor role. I didn't want to build the business on the backs of my family and friends. I think that was really an important, mindful decision because I was already in my 30s. So I didn't want to rise or fall for potentially people doing favors for me. So I learned the industry, I learned insurance and investments very quickly so that I was the authority on it, so that I could quickly be respected and get into conversations very quickly and directly. And so that's how I found success very quickly. And I think if I, I'm sure we would agree if we were to coach new people in the industry, we would tell them to get busy fast, have activity very quickly. Um, and that's how you, you can gauge your ability in the industry and learn very quickly. So to develop your own art, it takes activity, just practice. You know, it's uh, how many, kind of to use a sports analogy, how many out-bats do you get? You know, if you only go up to hit the ball once every two weeks, it's going to be pretty hard. But if you're up to bat three, five times a day, pretty soon you're going to be hitting doubles and triples and home runs all the time. So that was an important thing was for me to keep the activity level high and be okay with rejection. So that's the other piece of that is I think other newer people in the industry get very disenchanted with the amount of rejection they face where probably people like us or all MDRT members thrive off the rejection and being told, no, I don't like it, or no, this doesn't work for me, or no, I won't take that meeting. And we find ways to overcome that. And that's the difference between a successful person in the industry and, and a not successful person. It doesn't make us better people, just more resilient. And so uh, someone new to ramp up their business in the industry has to be okay hearing no, but fighting through that and just doing whatever they can to get in front of people. Sometimes getting in front of people doesn't literally mean in front of them, however. I am not a walk and talk person. So I calculated again that if I walk and talk in a day of four hours, I might be able to meet 20 people and it's not enough for me to be successful. So I started calling them. Instead, in four hours, I called 100 people. Instead of reaching 20 people, I had the resources, the ability to contact 100 people and get more appointments, the solid appointments, rather than face-to-face and the future promise. I built my business very much, probably 50% uh, with professionals, and often they were female professionals, who were more or less not neglected intentionally, but very infrequently approached by financial planners and advisors. And anymore when women are perhaps divorced or not yet married, might never be in their 30s and 40s, there is an incredible need for service of well-educated, highly employed women who haven't been approached by a financial advisor for so many different reasons. I wouldn't even guess as to why, except they just haven't been. So 
that was big. Attorneys, doctors, young doctors out of residency and getting their first contract for all of a sudden getting paid 45000 in residency to 180000 their first year. And also helping them navigate the medical school debt. Often doctors and higher education professionals have had co-signers on loans. So there's a huge kind of gap there of protection for the person who co-signed so they could finish school. So that was a huge focus for me, and very naturally it became kind of what we call nest in areas, where if I helped one doctor, she may have told the other 20 doctors she knows. And so that's a big part of referrals. And I'll echo these guys on referrals. I just want to say that you have to ask for referrals from people who also aren't your clients, who don't become your clients, who you sit down, fact find, have a great conversation with. And for whatever reason they choose not to move forward with a recommendation, you have to still ask for referrals. Some of my best referrals came from people who never did business with me or two years later did business with me. And I think that's very important because every interaction is an opportunity to get referred up or referred to somebody else. And so this takes a lot of courage. Doing that simply requires a straightforward conversation. It would sound something like this. As you know, I only work with referrals, and Dax thought highly enough of you and highly enough of me to make sure that we made a connection. You know, I understand that, you know, I'm not able to be of service to you now. I probably will be in the future. I'm sure you and I would agree that we should stay in touch. But similarly to how I met you through Dax, I'd like to kind of brainstorm with you other successful attorneys just like you, in, not only in your firm, but in our community. And here are the characteristics of generally the type of people that I work with, blah, 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 blah. And then I list those or say those. I could rattle them off. And I kind of tailor that referral language to whomever I'm speaking to, right? So I'm not offended ever. You can't be successful in this industry if you're ever offended, if you take it personal. You know, there's often something going on with them. So you just have to keep moving forward, keep sticking to the activity. I'm not going to take any referral. I'm going to be very pinpointed with the kind of referral that I want. Generally, the people I help the most are people who have a tax problem. They make too much and or can't save in a Roth and they max out their 401k and they don't even know what's out there to help alleviate this problem that they've got. And those are the people I need to talk to. So based on that, who comes to mind? Blah, 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 whoever. You know, okay, great, so tell me more. And so it kind of snowballs, but you have to stumble through it a few times to be good at it. When connecting with clients, a designation is important, but so is what it represents. I just tell them I'm a certified financial planner, and there are only 18% people in America who are CFP. And it needs seven exams, 10-hour final designation. It gives me so much of confidence. I tell my clients, if you shop around and if you find something you think that is better, bring those proposals, bring those investments to me and I'll do the evaluation and I'll tell you the pros and cons of all the products, including my product. I tell them that, you know, you would lose this much money if you break the contract. So they feel comfortable saying that, you know, I'm upfront about it so that there's no bashing and crying afterward. But designation is very, very important. The relationship is much more important than the designation, but the designation backs up what he's recommending. So there are people with a ton of designations very ineffective with people. So it doesn't matter, right? We all know those professional students out there. They just keep getting that, but they can't hold a conversation. 
And so I don't want to minimize your effectiveness with people behind designations. And I think that's a, another word on designations for younger people out there in the industry, newer people in the industry. It was much easier to get a CFP not so long ago. There was no college degree needed. Anybody, it was an industry designation. So if you find you're in competition with a CFP who's kind of, you know, leaning back in his sunset years, just remember, you probably know more about the insurance product or even the industry if that particular person is on the road to retirement. So don't let that discourage you. I completely agree with Joy. It's just knowledge, it's very important. But if you don't implement it, if right. you're not able to create the relationship and use that knowledge in the client's advantage, that knowledge is re not relevant. And I've seen that. I've seen a lot. And in, in your case, it just it's, it could be different because you're more personable. You know you, you're able to keep your relationship. But I have seen that people, there are a lot of designation. They have seen there's a, they have a, a lot of knowledge but they don't succeed because they don't understand the client relationship. Or I start hiring agents and I always tell them, we are not there to intimidate client with our knowledge. We are there to help them in any level. If my clients, I tell to my new agents that I always speak to my client's language. If my client, it's a mother taking care of the kids, I, I talk to her on that level, the way that she's comfortable with me. Even I dress like her. I don't go there very professionally to intimidate that person because that's not the way that I'm selling. It's I want them to feel me as a friend because this is a long-term relationship. Mm -hmm. So in your case, you're able to put them together, but I completely agree. It just designation is great, knowledge is good, but you need to be able to implement it. On top of that, success can be a state of mind. If we go in with the intention of this person will leave better off having met me than not, regardless if they become a client, then you win every time because you'll get referrals whether or not they become a client. There's that old saying, they don't care how much you know until they know how much you care. It's old, everybody's heard it, but it's important because going into the home, for example, that you made that effort, you, you give that effort, you do it well, and then you either help them or you move on. That's the key, is how to move on and how not to allow yourself to be taken advantage of also as a newer producer. There's an analogy someone once told me that if you're on a sinking ship and you have a lifesaver and there's 100 people that need to be saved, how many times are you going to throw that lifesaver to the same person? And they're like, no, I'm okay. I'll just swim six miles to shore. But I have a lifesaver. I want to help you. How many times? Meanwhile, you've got 99 people that you could be saving and helping. So that's an important lesson for people. You can't want it too much more than they want it for themselves, right? And there's so many people to help. There's so many people that need our industry that you have to kind of keep moving. And that's very hard too when you're passionate and you care. So you have to care enough to see it through for them, but not so much that you lose the bigger vision of helping as many people in your community as possible. 
and remember how that effort impacts the client. You can be replaced. If I just sold a term insurance policy, I mean, they can go online and search 15 different ones. So I'm not bringing any value to them. But if I'm a trusted advisor and they call me when their job changes or they have to move or they're having a baby, now I know I'm ingrained in the fabric of their family. And that becomes irreplaceable. You can't replace that with the Internet. In fact, I tell my clients that... Uh, how I care for you is that if your time horizon is just for instance so if your time horizon is less than 10 years don't don't come to me or if your time horizon is less than five years don't come to me because my products and my services are five years plus so I would highly encourage you to go to the bank if you want to put in the money for six months or a year buying new house or you're expecting some renovations or anything any changes don't come to me because my products are three years plus so having said that upfront, really, in fact, gives them more confidence saying that, hey, you know, this guy is ready to reject the business if it is not a good fit. So I take each and every case very personally, very, very personally. And I start thinking uh, how I would solve this issue or equation if I was in their shoes. And it really helps me. It really helps me making the right decision. That's it for this month's episode. Thank you very much for listening. And if you'd like to subscribe, you can find us on iTunes at MDRT Podcast. See you next time.